Okay, so today's topic, in answering questions we're going to discuss, by Hashem is to understand firstly, as always, to understand the Torah's concepts of slaves, slavery, which the Torah refers to many times. It gives rules and parameters for. What does it mean? How does it work? And then the question is, obviously, if a person is challenged to explain it to uh, today's audience, which slavery is something which is today considered in the world to be uh, immoral and, and infringement of other people's rights. So how do we present what the terrorist perspective on slavery could have been and explain it in a, which, in a, in a way which makes sense to us that it, the terror wasn't being unfair, the terror wasn't taking advantage of people. Okay, so let's start from the beginning. And so from the beginning, let's talk about uh, where, where we first find the concept of slavery, and then we'll see how it plays out. So the first time we find the idea is a curse of Noach to his son Ham. Uh, Noach had three sons, as you know. Noach's three sons were all meant to work together and take care of the animals in the table and be in charge of repopulating and re-inhabiting the world after the mother. But we know that one of Noach's sons, after the Mabu, whatever they did to Noach was something inappropriate, and Noach curses his son. He blesses Shem, he blesses Yefes, and he curses Chem. Or later in the Brach of Yefes, he Kanan Eved So the first thing we see in the Pasuk is that the idea of slavery was, was a curse, it was a punishment. And we'll have to explain why Noah felt that was was the appropriate middle punishment for what Ham had done or Knan had done. And uh, if we want to be Lamdanim, so we really have to talk about what rights does a father have to make his son a slave. Mechitesi Noah was in the position, so to speak, to impose slavery on his son. So that's where slavery starts from. Now, uh, historically, we know that the children of Ham were, even though there were many slaves in the world and slave nations in the world, but the ones who most often were enslaved for the longest periods of time were the children of Ham. Ham, as you know, was basically all the African nations descended from him, and they were, they, normally they were the ones who suffered most from the curse of being slaves. So that's slavery in the form of a punishment, in the form of a curse, in the form of, so to speak, something negative. Now, on the other hand, the Torah defines different kinds of slaves. So the Torah talks about Nevid Ivri. Nevid Ivri is a Jew who is also called an Evid. And the Torah gives the rules and parameters for how a Jew becomes an Evid and how long he can become an Evid for, and the way a person has to treat his servant or Evid who is a Jew. And the same thing applies to a girl in Amma Ivriya, who also becomes a maidservant. And there also there's a, there's a rules in place how to, how to treat her. And from that we see the terrorists is Yachsus, the terrorists we are dealing with Avadim. So let's talk about the Ivriya and the Amma Ivriya first, and understand the terrorist principle of Avadim. And from that, Vaidashim will go back and try and explain uh, the concept of Canaan and Avodim as a terrorist is an Evid Kanani, which means an Evid who is not Jewish 
and what the Torah expects that to be. So number one, how does a person become an Evidivri? And all the din of the Torah, the simple case is, what the Gemara says in the Kedushin, they're talking about a case of Machro Bestin. A person who was caught stealing, a person who can't pay uh, the, his debts for what he stole, so Bestin are going to sell him in order to, in order to pay the debt that he owes. Now we don't find this by other things. If a person borrowed money and can't repay, or if a person was a mazik, we don't find that a rule applies that we sell him in order to pay back debts. And for that we understand that the, the, what was considered in maybe yeah, medieval Europe, that uh, it's the idea of a debtor's prison, isn't the Torah's idea of slavery. To sell people to, to, as, a, as slaves in order to recover debts wasn't the Torah's idea. We don't find that by other debts. And specifically, it didn't buy a gun. Somebody who steals, so then specifically there the Torah uh, wants him to be, to, to be sold into slavery. And the Torah sets the conditions. It's going to be for six years. And... Uh, we know all the rules that there are however it has to be treated by his master. So, why does the Torah do that? Similarly, in the case of Amma Ibriya, we're talking about a girl who's still a little child. She can only be sold on, on, before she's a narrow, which means before she's 12, and she's sold by her father. And that would be the, that would set the case for us, set the case for us of a case of a, of a girl who's sold into servitude as a little girl. There is no option in the Torah of an older girl being sold into servitude. There's no option of a naira being, able, being, being a slave. And even if the girl would get sold as a, as a child, as soon as she has maybe simana, which means as soon as she becomes an halakhati an adult, it automatically sets her free. So, what's the reason for that? So, once again, I want to talk about the second case first to explain the principle of the case of the Amibriya. And from there, we're going to go backwards and explain the every two. The case of the Amibri, like the Gemara says, is which normal parents would sell their child, just a little child, as a slave? And just ask that question the other way around. Uh, who would buy a child as a slave? They aren't very effective. They aren't very useful. There's not much a little child can do. They aren't yet that strong and they aren't yet that capable. It, it means if you're looking after a child like that as a slave, it pretty means you're, you're bringing them up. Imagine having a six-year-old, seven-year-old kid in your house. and Now you're, they're your slave, maybe, but they're, they're very, very dependent on their own. A woman who steals doesn't become an No. You're from a big never saw, and you can't sell a woman as a servant. So, so the Amma the Amma is a little child. So maybe she can help fold laundry, maybe she can watch the kids, but as a slave, she's not doing very much. What does the Torah, what does the Torah have in mind by making, by making the concept of Amma The answer is possible, the Torah tells us. And that is, what the Torah really wants is that by being a girl, we be part of the family. So either the person who, so to speak, acquired her or one of his family, he'll, find, he'll marry her off to this girl. And then when he does that, as the Bible says, <coughs> he has to provide her with everything uh, of a, like a normal Jewish wife. The Gemara, again, for the Ramdani, the Gemara takes a step further, and the Gemara says the Kesef yield is the Kesef condition which is the same money he paid originally to acquire her, can be used as a condition. Why? Because that's what the Torah intended. That uh, the, the long-term result of having uh, a servant girl grow up in your house is eventually you're going to find someone in the family to marry her. And what would the Torah's interest be in doing that? It's very simple. A, a parent who's resorting to selling his children is a parent who has reached the level of destitution that he can't feed them. We're talking about a level of poverty that it's, in my house they're going hungry. 
and therefore I'm not selling the child to make money. I'm possibly selling out of necessity. Because if, if, if I can't afford to feed my children, such a massive, at least let me give them to somebody else uh, who, who, who can afford to feed them, who can afford to look after them. Yes, they'll have to work, for, so to speak, in order to be looked after, in order to deserve to be taken care of. But that's a better situation than a person's at a home when there's no one to take care of them, in a home when there isn't any food. And that would be the motivation to sell a child. Like the Gemara says, no one to sell their child because they want to make money. The question to sell a child was in a case where the parents, the parents uh, aren't able to provide for the child. And therefore, it's in the child's best interest to be in a family where someone can afford to look after her, can afford to bring her up, can afford to feed her. And we can be guaranteed that a father who can't afford to feed his children for sure can't afford to marry them off. And therefore, the Torah's long-term goal is, the, the, so to speak, the family that you've sold her to, they're not taking responsibility for her. Just like they're going to look after her and feed her and clothe her, they also, when she wants, they're going to marry her off. And not only that, if they don't, so the Torah calls it the lashon of treachery, treachery, the big deba. If he doesn't marry her, he was a traitor, he let her down. The expectation was, you're going to take responsibility for her now. So why is left? Why is left? So the Yisrael is like this. What, the idea of slavery, a slave, as opposed to a worker, as opposed to a helper, as opposed to a, a home carer, or whatever else you want to call them, is, and the Gemara says in Bavmetir, that a normal case of a poil, a worker, which I have, comes with no responsibility. Comes with no responsibility. I want to work, I'll work. I don't want to work, you can't force me. I'll, I'll quit. Same thing. I can't force you to employ me. You want me to do the work? Okay, I'll, I'll do the work. You don't want me, so you'll fire me. So I've got no tightness on you. I can't force you to employ me. You can't force me to work. Uh, the relationship of a worker to an employer, a poil to a balabais, is completely voluntary on both sides. So much so that the Gemara says, a poil can be chosen by Bem You hire me for a whole day, half of it, I'm done with this, I don't want to do it anymore. I can say goodbye, I'm leaving. But you didn't finish? Too bad, find somebody else. Now, how much you have to pay me will be based on how much I did. Obviously, I'm not going to get my full salary for that, but you can't force me to work if I don't want to. Where does the Gemara know that from? The Gemara knows from the Apostle Kedib and Israel Avadim. You're not an abbot, you're a poil. A poil, I've got no commitments. And if, therefore, I'm allowed to back out of the job at any stage I want. I'm allowed to resign. And just another, the odd there's no commitment either. At some stage you want to fire me, you can fire me. And you'll have to pay me for the amount I did. And have no commitments. The idea of an abbot is that there's a khiyof. But it's a two-way khiyof, and that's what people don't realize. It's a two-way khiyof. If I'm calling an abbot, so now I have a responsibility to. I have to look after my abbot. On the same, on the other, on the other point, on the other point of view, on his point of view or her point of view, they have responsibility. They can't back out. They can't leave. Uh, um, they they are committed to staying. That's the difference between a work and an evid. An evid is a commitment, but it's a commitment both ways. It's a commitment of the odd to the evid. I can't just tell evid goodbye, get out. Uh, if I want to, it's a whole story. I have to release him. I have to give him a star, and it's a, it's a, it's an asik. Uh, without that, I'm committed to him. He's my evid. I'm stuck with him. And if the commitments to an evidence, you have to feed the evidence, look after the evidence, and that's a responsibility from my point of view. From the evidence point of view, he has a commi- or she has a commitment too. They can't get out of it. Once, you, once you've been bought to do a job, I'm committed to the job. And in the, in the case of the Amavir we talked, spoke about before, that's exactly what the Torah wants. That's exactly what the Torah wants. Because when parents are bringing up their children, so of course parents have a commitment to their children. Not a legal commitment, but a moral commitment. And of course they're going to do their best to look after their children. They're not going to 
just uh, get rid of them or give up on them halfway down the line. But now we're talking about a family where the parents can't look after the children for whatever reason. So now what we want is someone else to step in and take responsibility. And take responsibility. And that responsibility is two ways. Responsibility is the parent, the family who's going to, so to speak, buy this little girl. So she'll now be responsible to whatever her jobs are to them. But more importantly to us, they're responsible to her. They're going to just get rid of her. They're responsible to her. They're going to have to look after her. They're going to have to feed her. And they're going to have to hopefully eventually try and marry her off. That's what we want. That, 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 that sets up a system where we're going to create, a, so to speak, the first foster care system in the world. Which means you, you're taking a child with the responsibility to raise them. And they're yours. You now have a responsibility of being in charge of them, being responsible for them, and being committed to them. Whereas if you were just out of the goodness of your heart, look to like, bring in stra- uh, 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 children from neglected homes, you can say, no, it's a, I was happy to help, but you can't force me. I'm not in the mood anymore. Go home. I've got no more responsibility. I did, I was, what I did was a chesed. The idea of buying an avid is taking on responsibility. And like I said, it's a two-way responsibility. So as much as a little girl can help in the house, yes, she, she has obligated to work. But as far as me, I'm obligated to look after her. I'm obligated to treat her well. I'm obligated to, to, to bring her up really. And ideally, I'm even obligated to help her get married. So that's, uh, that's the terrorist, so to speak, like when I talk about the army of Rio, People ask, what? You're putting a little girl into slavery? Yeah, it's a terrorist social welfare system. It's a way of ensuring that people who in, in a situation which is non-functional, a situation which they're starving, a situation which no one's taking care of them, we've built a system that will take care of people like that. There is a system where the person who's involved is responsible. They have a commitment, and now they have to keep that commitment. That's the Amivri. Now let's talk about the Avedivri. We'll take it up one more step. And we said the point of Avedivri wasn't a debtor's prison. It wasn't anybody who can't afford to pay their debts get sold. That's not true. The person who can't afford to pay his debts, okay, so the debt's sitting on you. When you have a chance to pay it, pay it. We're not letting you off the debt. We're not going to sell you for that. And stuff could buy a ganif. And stuff could buy a ganif that we're going to, we're going to sell, sell him as an avid. And here also, there are all kinds of conditions and strings attached. And that is only for six years. And what he's allowed to work as, not allowed to work as. And it's a responsibility. Again, a slave, being sold as a slave is a certain commitment of the slave. You have to work for the owner. The owner has to work for the slave. I mean, the owner has to provide the slave what he needs, and that's a long-term commitment. Why does the Torah want that? Why does buy a ganif? And the answer is, and he said this lots of times, and that is, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Uh, we have a person who's got to the stage where because he obviously, he can't afford it. That's what the ganif we're talking about. If the ganif was a rich ganif, we're going to make him pay back. We're talking about a person who's also reached a stage of destitution. So much so he has to steal. And when he steals, he can't pay back. So we're talking, not talking about a person who's making money off this. We're talking about a person who's stealing to survive. Okay, so now we have a person who's a non-successful member of society. A person who uh, we need to help. What's the way to help them? What's the way to help them? So, uh, to, just to say, okay, listen, you owe people money. You owe pay back your debts. You can't? Okay. Sunday you have to pay your debts. You're not helping the person. He, he owes people money because he stole. He stole because he had nothing to eat. He's talking to the so we haven't done anything to help him, but just saying, all right, the halach is you have to pay, one day go pay back. A borrower will do that for, a mazik will do that for. Because the fact that I borrowed money and lost the money, I can't afford to pay back, doesn't necessarily put me in that situation. The fact that a person was mazik, someone else's things, doesn't necessarily put me in that situation. But the fact that a person's situation where they have, that they have to steal for food, they have to steal to eat, 
means already less it's a crime and the crime is punishable and the person that you stole from you deserves to get paid back. There's no hetzer for that. But at the same time, you're seeing a person who's not managing society. You see a person who's better and needs help. So the Torah sets him to help him. And what's the way to help him? Exactly the same mechanism. And that is, you're going to make somebody else responsible to look after you. You can't look after yourself, you're going to make someone else responsible to look after you. For you. And yes, the other one takes on ever to have a responsibility. You have to feed him, you have to bring him with pride his clothing. If he has a family, you have to look after his family too. I'm taking a big response, financial responsibility. But that goes two ways. So now what he can do, whatever way I, I can utilize his services, okay, he has a responsibility to me. But the, the, the structuring of the con- concept of Avdus by Jews was Kula Lutevose. It's all for his benefit. Because if you think of it from the audience's point of view, it's true, and Evan gives me a commitment that the person has to work for me. But technically, I could find paid workers too. It probably would even be cheaper. If I every day go look for a worker who's willing to do the job and I'll pay him on a day-by-day basis, okay, I'll get the job done. Taking an avid means someone's committed to work for me. But at the same time, I'm committed to them. And I'm not just committed to them to pay a salary, I'm committed to them to look after them. So the structure of the idea of avdus, the structure of the idea of avdus is to help the avid. It's to help the person who he is in a situation where he's not coping. He's in a situation where he's gotten to a state of, a state of abject poverty where he has to steal in order to eat. Okay, the Torah wants to help him. And the way to help him is put him in a situation where he's going to get taken care of. Is there an element of the rehabilitation of him specifically working for the people he stole from? No, it doesn't have to be for them. Maybe they don't want to. It's, we, we, we offer who wants to buy him and then we use the money to pay back the person he stole from. Uh, what about a person who's, who's very wealthy happens and makes a big scandal scheme or whatever and he steals a lot of money. You would sell him as well? No, that's a guy. It's a guy's another guy. So Ganath means that every guy has a big pocket he's, he's stealing groceries to. Like, it has to necessarily be a person who is on such a low level that he's yes. stealing to eat. Yes. Um, <coughs> can't someone sell themselves? Yes, but it's the same rule. That same person will come to a state of absolute poverty. No. The selling himself is the same thing when he has nothing. When he has nothing, and he gets in the same situation. I'm not coping, I don't have anything to food to eat. Certainly, I mean, this is like a, a cool program, someone's asking me, but Lamaisa, after the guy leaves, after six years, what's he help? Anaka. The day in the Torah, when again, David leaves, I have to give him big gifts, yeah. which basically means setting him up to start off again. No, there are rules about that. That's not true. I told about Vedas Evid. Both by the Army and by the Evid Ivri, there's rules of what you're allowed to make them do. For sure. Uh, six years would be less if there's Shemitah, right? No. No, six years? Six years, six years. Yeah, for the Yavu, we'll cry if not Shemitah. Right, we're getting there. Okay. One more question on this. Um, so, he's allowed to sell himself, and the amount that he's worth. If he could just pay back to the original owner, who's the original owner? Meaning, the second he sells himself into slavery, what if the amount exceeds how much he stole from the site, not the original owner, from the person he originally stole from? What if it exceeds the amount that he uh, that he owes the, that person? So he still then, has to stay in. No, that's a different story. The technicalities of can can someone buy themselves out of Avdus, if you call 
Udina Behefta, Giran Kesef, is another sukkah. Technically, the point of the system is in order to, in order to help the person who's reached that stage, they, they, they can't help themselves. Like I said, the Avdus in the, in the Torah society is rest in social welfare. It's to help a person who is not, not functional on their own. So the way, I'm not probably going to address it, but if someone would ask me, like the Rob said, how can you give a little girl away from, to, to sell as a slavery? So it's basically, it would be equivalent to adoption. Adoption, who gives a adoption, adoption for, in a case where the, the original family isn't, isn't, isn't capable of looking after her, and you want somebody else to be obligated. Not just to be volunteers. So it's better than the right. Okay. How long does he have to work till? At what point? Like, what's the rate where he says, "Okay, I made back the amount that I stole." It's like, he steals hundred dollars, so he has to work for how long? We work at what his worth, what his what what he can do as a job, how much it's worth, and that's what the that's what I'm replacing for. And it's free after. I mean, it's meant to be for six years, but uh, yeah, the, the ways to get the technical ways of how you work at the money is different. Cheshbon. It's a maximum of six years. It's a maximum of six years. Why would it be more of an adoption? Because adoption is not a commitment. Why is it less of a moral commitment? Yes, yeah, no, it's a legal commitment. It's not a, a moral commitment. It's a legal commitment. You you've taken the responsibility. And that something belongs to you. You have to look after him. He stole more than six years' worth of being, being slaves. Okay, again, we had our conversation. We're not going to all the technicalities here. I'm explaining the concept. Yeah. Why was this swarm behind six years? What's a swarm behind six years? Again, if you want, guys, if you want to know about we can have the Rambam, we'll explain why six years, and why, why exactly how you work out the price, and how you work out the gira, and how you work out the, gira, out the, gira, out the, out the changing value of how it gets older, whatever it is. We can do all that. The question is to understand the concept of this. So you explain the concept. We can have the details by the show. If you want to learn, you can learn the Chassavadim. Now, let's, let's, that's the first part. Now I want to talk about the idea of an Evid Nadi. An Evid who's not a Jew. An Evid who you take from one of the foreign nations and you buy them as a slave. And that's where really people are going to ask the question, like how does a Torah allow slavery? Now, you must understand, whenever we come to these kind of questions, it's now... I'm giving you background from a terrorist perspective on Evid Ivory. Now, before I talk about the terrorist perspective on Evid Nani, I just want to say one disclaimer. And the disclaimer is that when the world looks at something negatively, it's because of the world's experience with it. And therefore, they look at the idea of a monarchy negatively because they're too used to corrupt and capricious kings who take advantage of people and kill them for no reason. So we don't want kings like that. That's not the way kings meant to be. That's the way kings were. So people didn't want kings. And the same when it comes to slavery. If you're going to try and argue slavery, the first important point you have to remind people is that you're looking at the slavery that the, the non-Jewish world was practicing in the 16, 17, 1800s until they abolished it, and that people would look, uh, rightly look at as being immoral. Sorry? And if you're going to go back in history, then for sure, we Christians have been slaves lots and lots of times. And every time in God we end up being slaves. That, that was slavery which was wrong, which was morally wrong, and for sure that's a slavery which uh, we don't accept and we don't encourage. And if that's the case, you have to look at slavery as the Torah talks about it. And we have to change the mental picture people have of what they talk about slavery as and, and saying that that's what the Torah allowed as well. So firstly, I'll prove that it wasn't. And number one, there's a din that you can't hit your ever for nothing. We always see that this idea of, ha- of a volume being lashed with whips or being held, you know, having the thing held over their backs to make them work faster, like you see pictures of Mitzrayim or anywhere else of slavery in the world. The Torah doesn't allow that. The Torah doesn't allow that. You can't hit an Evid for nothing. Uh, the, uh, and same thing, there's the rule... Sorry? 
Right. In other words, it's not a, it's not something which is up to me to 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 to, to, to treat unfairly. There's a shaila. There's a pasuk in Mishlei which we'll talk about of but that's something else the idea is the fact that he is mine to do what I like with and I can treat him however viciously I want or however cruelly I want that's for sure not true Similarly, there are rules to what you're allowed to make him work as as something which is an unfairly uh, so to speak unfair burden you can't you, just like an animal you're not allowed to overload a donkey you definitely can't overload a person as I said there are rules in how you can treat an ever too except the non-Jewish world which has no rules so of course if someone's in my control I'll treat them as, as cruelly as I want but there's no restraint. The Torah didn't set up just like that. The Torah set up Avdus in the case where, yes, the Eved has responsibilities. The Eved belongs legally to his master. But there's, a, there's also, here also, there's rules of what the Adon, the, 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 the Adon is responsible to his Eved. Let's give an example. We said examples of Avadim, who were non-Jewish Avadim. Avadim who didn't have the dinner of the Eved Ivri. Our best example is Eliezer Eved Avram. And he calls himself Eved Avram Anechi. And when he wants to marry Avram, Avram says to him, No, you're an Eved. I don't want to marry into a family of Avadim. Well, was Eliezer mistreated? Eliezer ran the show. Avram says to himself, Ben Vashak Bez, you're the Masik Eliezer. Eliezer's running my household. Similarly, another Eved, which you know famously, Tavi, the Eved Avram Gamriel. He was an Eved Kanani. He was part of from Mitzvah, like we know, because he's an Eved. But the guy with the Avram Gamriel mistreats him on the contrary. Avram Gamriel even respected him. The mission tells us when Tavi died, Ram Gamil says that he, he was set shiva for him. He said, My Evid was uh, someone's spirit, so So, yes, an Evid, but he wasn't treated like garbage. He wasn't treated like people think that everybody were treated. Now, and where do you see this? That the Evid Knani, who came as a non Jew, who came as a stranger, the halacha is that you have to beguile him halfway and he is chayv in some of the mitzvahs. Which means there's no such thing as an Evid who's a complete, like, uh, outcast, a complete. A non doesn't fit in, in, into a Jewish home. Yes, we brought him from whichever country in the world we brought an Eved from, but now there's a, you, have to, you have to be toivel him, he's mechoiv in mitzvahs, he has to keep Shabbos, he has to keep kashrus. Like I said, you can't be over the leaven of the Torah, which means you've built a framework for what this person is responsible to. Now, which means, again, you've, 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 you've actually elevated him. From the status of a guy who's not chayven anything, you've now elevated him to a status where he's chayven most of the mitzvahs of the Torah. And the same applies to a non-Jewish, a non-Jewish slave girl. It would be the same thing would apply. Now, so that, that's the first point. And that is, uh, people have to be aware that what the Torah meant by slavery wasn't what necessarily we, we think of as the way slaves were treated. But now, let's go back to where we started. Why did the Torah allow such an option? I'm going back to Nach. I'm going back to Nach. Nach curses his son and he says, He's going to be a servant forever. He's going to be a slave forever. Why was that the fitting punishment for for Khan, for Knan? Why was that the fitting punishment for Knan? So without without going into details of what Knan did wrong, what Knan did wrong, there's a certain level where, at least in the way Nachan just saw what happened to him, what his own son or grandson did to him, and that is, there's a certain, let's say, uh, moral compass that we expect a person to have. A certain moral compass we expect the person to have. A certain sense of right and wrong. A person who's missing that, who has no innate concept of right and wrong. So, Be'etzim, they're a person who's dangerous to lead them to their own devices. If a person inherently knows right and wrong and they might make mistakes, 
But Ba'atim, they know what's the right thing to do. Okay, so then they're someone that we can rely on, hopefully, to make the right decisions in life. A person who goes as far as what Kanaan did means they have zero moral compass of what's right and wrong. And if that's the case, a person like that isn't in a position to be responsible for themselves. They need somebody else to be responsible for them. Just like today, we have to explain this point, just like today, if a person is considered mentally incapable of rational decisions, so then you're going to make them what's called the ward of the state, which means you're going to have to make somebody else in charge of you, and they're going to have to make all important decisions. You can't buy and sell things, you can't uh, sign legal documents. If a person is mentally incapable of doing things themselves, now we're going to have to find an upper dropist, which means somebody who's legally taking responsibility for you. And if a person isn't capable of making life decisions, so then it's the same thing. We're going to have to find a social worker or somebody who's going to be on top of you to make sure you don't do things which are illogical because we don't see you as being somebody who can make rational decisions. The ward of the state, which means that we look, the state is responsible to look after these people. Ward. Okay, now, that, that idea applies morally as well. And that is what Noach said to Knan was, I've seen you somebody who is incapable of a moral right and wrong. And if that's the case, you need to be in a position where somebody else is going to make decisions for you. The idea of Eved Avadim means that way somebody else will be on top of you and make the decisions for you because I don't consider you capable of making your own decisions. That was a punishment for sure. It was a punishment for sure, but again, it was a way to rectify a problem. A problem of someone who doesn't have a moral compass, uh, which saw his own son as being deficient in that area, and he says, therefore, I'm going to put you under the, under the, under the jurisdiction of your brothers who can make your decisions for you. That way, hopefully, you'll be, so to speak, inhibited from doing things which are wrong. So if you're going to ask what was the, where did the, where the curse of slavery come from, that's where it began from. Now again, why slavery? So I'm saying what I said before. The same you said. Slavery makes an illegal obligation. The fact that uh, today we set up mental hospitals or whatever it is to take care of people like that, again, it's, maybe it's a, a state-run system, but there's no responsibility there. There's no legal obligation that either one has to the other one. The, taking someone as a slave means that I'm not legally responsible for them. Just like we get the Gemara talks about. I can't let my slave harm other people. I'm responsible for my slave's money. I'm responsible for what he does. So then there's a certain, uh, there's a certain, there's a chiddish, I don't have to pay his debts. Uh, the Havim and the Gemara was actually not to pay his debts. It's a chiddish that I don't because otherwise he might put up a rack of debts just to make me pay. But uh, without that extra chiddish, I'm responsible for him. The buying, make, buying a slave is taking responsibility. And then here again, just like we saw on a social level, for a person who can't look after himself, the eight says makes the most responsible for them. When it comes to the idea of Knan, someone who morally doesn't know how to look after themselves, who isn't able to, to, to understand what's correct to do, they're missing that moral compass, so the only eight says someone else is to be responsible for them. And that's the idea of making a slave. Now, over here, it's not something which is going to change your circumstances. If you talk about someone's financial situation as being something which he's unable to take care of himself, okay? Uh, maybe if, after a few years, so we'll, start, we'll, we'll, start, we'll train him into doing a job, we'll, give him a st- we'll start him off again, maybe this time he'll be successful. Same thing by the Amavriya. When she grows up and she can get married, now she's at a different stage in life, she doesn't need that anymore. But a person that the problem is that they're morally incapable of choosing, choosing right for wrong, then they're going to be a slave forever. Ever body. They aren't able to be in a situation where they have to make their own decisions. And that's on Nech Panish Knan, 
you're going to always be a slave. You're going to always be a slave. And if that's what's going to prevent the slave doing things wrong, so that's a mailer. If the fact that there's an Adon who's going to ensure the slave isn't involved in crime, isn't involved in doing things wrong, then that's a mailer. It's a mailer better than the present system in the world. Today, for people who like that, all we do is throw them into jail. But uh, there's not a system which is a long-term solution. Because we can't keep everyone in jail forever. So it's a a short-term solution. And, as anyone will tell you, recidivism is a real problem. Most people come out of jail just go back to what they're doing before. Especially if it's the person who went in there in the first place because he didn't have a moral compass. He didn't understand right and wrong. And therefore he doesn't have a problem doing the wrong things. He'll do them again. He'll end up back in jail again. That's not a solution. The, the real solution would be to put you under the jurisdiction of someone who's going to look after you. And someone who's going to make sure you don't do things wrong. Okay, then that's a system which can work. And if there's a system which can work, then you'll be, that person will be on top of you, look after you, make sure you don't do things wrong. At the same time, they'll take care of you. Uh, if it's to feed him, whatever it's going to be. And in place of that, you have to work for him. That's really what the, the, the system of slavery was meant to be. The system of slavery was meant to be. Um, one more point on a more spiritual level. Can you learn that it's still a certain weakness in in in, in Ham and his children, and it's going to carry on? To a certain extent, the real racist statement, are we saying that all the black people are there? No, it's all the black people. The children of Canaan. 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 It wasn't everybody. Canaan had lots of children. The children of Canaan. Sorry? I mean, that's a pretty hard thing to get across. By the way, all Africans have no more. No, I didn't say that. Not all the children of Canaan. All the children of Canaan. No, of course, it's Canaan. Canaan had lots of sons. One of them was Canaan. Canaan was considered a nation of Avadim. Well, we don't know. Hopefully, we were, I mean, we as Clash were meant to have destroyed them. No. All the Bnei Canaan. The Bnei Canaan were, were, were cursed as being slaves. Kush was a Sorry? Kush was a different son of Khan. Kush wasn't a slave. So the world started out by saying that we see in Matthias that like, the people of the African nations suffered more under slavery. So what's the connection? If it's only Canaan... Some of them were Bnei Canaan. We don't know which ones. We don't know. Yeah. Is in, I'm resp- I, I, in, in, he, he's, he belongs to me. His money belongs to me. I have to make his decisions for him. I have to give him the jobs to do. So yeah, I'm, I'm for sure. I'm responsible legally. I'm, I'm making decisions for him. And that's the core of an And that's the core of the difference between a worker and an avid. A worker can be do exactly the same job. If I want my worker to, 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 to pull the plant pull to, and plant my fields, I can hire people to do the same job. What makes the person avid is that I'm responsible for him. And therefore, he, he belongs to me in the sense I make his decisions, what he owns, I own, but at the same time, I have responsibilities to him too. Um, is there no sense, that we were talking about slave forever, is there no sense that this person could actually make moral improvements? They could, I, I would assume the, the overall influence over a long period of time in some situations. So there were times we talked about people who freed their slaves, but it uh, doesn't have to be like that. But the Torah doesn't, uh, the Torah like heavily, heavily says, don't do that. The Torah doesn't give a time limit to slavery. Right. Okay. The Torah doesn't give a time limit to that level of slavery. Slavery of a Canaanite is, is a lifelong thing. Right. So it sounds like there's not really a muckle to, to rehabilitate them. 
could be. If Neich felt that, uh, if Neich felt that there was a certain something missing, what he, uh, certain things you, you, there's something missing in a person's, like I said, moral compass. Okay, there's something wrong. Yeah, that's the last one I wanted to talk about. Yeah. What, how, what does it mean to become Jewish? Do you get a connection to the Shabbat or something? One second, I wanted to talk about that. There's one more point here. Um, the, do, does this concept apply to you know, also like vice versa? Like, you don't have a moral compass and also be a slave forever? And could a guy no. be comes to this? No. We don't have a universe. A, a, a Jew who can't be a slave forever. No. That's the Torah set it up like that. Because the, the Torah sees a Jew as a slave as somebody who's unable to survive in society, not because there's something wrong with him already. But I'm saying, but, but what if, what if, like, the opposite, like, happens? Okay, so then we have to think of an answer for him, but it's, uh, the Torah doesn't provide an option of a Jewish slave forever. Why is it not racist? Why is it not, what, not racist? The fact that, that there's, no, there's no concept of a kid becoming a slave forever, or a guy who steals because he's so poor that he can't pay back, and, like, he should only be there for six years also. Uh, we don't we not, we not build society to help a guy. Well, we, 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 the, the way to help him would be to make him a slave. But there's one more point I want to explain about that. And that is that there's a certain matter here also. The Rechal says this. And the Rechal says that, just like we know, this is, again, how you say this, we have talked about second, but just to understand, let's go for first. And that is that, being as we know, that since Matan Terry, the purpose of the world is for Kla Yisra. And since we, being as we know, that since Matan Terry, Really, that uh, it's, it's Klai Yisrael entrusted with the mission of serving Hashem. So, if that's the case, the mission of the rest of the nations in the world becomes a, a, in this, as a supporting cost, becomes a job to help Klai Yisrael serve Hashem. They had the opportunity also; they, re, they turned down the offer time and again. So now they're no, no longer in the position of, so to speak, the ones Hashem is looking to to serve Him. So, what are they doing? What is the purpose of them? To be the supporting cost for Klai Yisrael. And if that's the case. So then, for a non-Jewish perspective, obviously, if they don't want to Magai for whatever reason, but from a non-Jewish perspective, the best thing they can do is be in a position to serve Kal Yisrael. Because that's, that justifies what they're doing here. It gives them a part, part, part and purpose in the plan of the world. And in Mela, for the non-Jew to become an Evet, in a sense like that, even from, Klan, from any of the non-Jewish nations, is that them a certain opportunity. Just like, imagine, we us go back to the example we before, Eliezer, the servant of Abram. Think, out of all of the people that Abraham had come into contact with, Eliezer was in the prized position. He did much more for Abraham than all the hundreds of students that Abraham interacted with. So for sure, to have an opportunity to be a servant for Abraham is a tremendous thing. One of the wives of Eliphaz, no? Sorry? One of the wives of Eliphaz, she came to Abraham. Timna, yes. So the same idea. And that is, okay, Abraham obviously is the greatest, but the idea that someone can have a connection to Klai Yisrael it raises the value of what they're doing in the world tremendously. And that's the second minor. And that is that, that that's why if a guy wants to become an avid for a Jew, so now I've, I've dedicated myself to being, in the words of the Ramchal, a Mesharis le Mesharis Hashem, a servant for the servants of Hashem. That gives me a much greater part in um, purpose in life than if I have nothing to do with the, the Akai Yisrael. Then I, I don't, I'm not really playing a role in the world. And that's why someone who gets elevated to that status, you can't step down. So a guy who becomes an Evet, the is, he becomes, being an Evet of a Jew becomes partially like a Jew. You can't step down. You can't uh, get out of the house and go back to being a guy. Once you've been elevated to the status of somebody who's dedicated to serving Klai Yisrael, so they put you in a different category to other guy. 
that makes you more of a necessary, so to speak, supplementary actor than the average guy who has nothing to do with a Jew. The only answer would be, if you don't be an evidence, be a Jew. My name is Mokhesh And that's why the halacha is that by a Jew, if you would free a slave, the, the only option the slave would have is to become a full Jew. Because there are only three options. Either you're a non-Jew, or you're someone who's working for a Jew, which we call an Evid, or you're a Jew. And if he's no longer going to be an Evid, because for whatever reason, he's, he, we, the, the, that's, that, that's bam, that bound, that, that uh, legal bind of Evdus is going to be broken, then, so you can't be in that status anymore, then you have, the only option left him is to become Jewish. Now, the reason why we don't, why the Torah doesn't, um, so to speak, tell us to free our body is that always, we don't missionarize. We're not trying to force people to become Jews. But the fact that a person is an Avid, in a certain way, is a step above being a guy. It's a step above being a guy. That's why we see Zechayim in certain mitzvahs, because he's more connected to Kashem by being an Avid of a Jew than just by being a regular guy. And if that's the case, so again, for the guy who for whatever reason can't be Magayr, it's his second best option. That's his second best option. If a person isn't going to become part of Klayashal itself, the next best thing I can do is at least become an Avid. At least become a servant of the servants of Hashem. That brings me closer to the middle circle than if I just be on a much more distant point. And therefore, again, looking at it like that, looking at it like that, the concept that there's an idea of a guy becoming an avid, think of it as an opportunity, an opportunity that he has to elevate himself from his present status to something better. Whereas if he'd be remain a guy and have no direct connection to Klayashal, he'd be in a much so it's a more distant place spiritually than he is now. And then once again, like I said, it needs a certain mind shift because we think of Avodim as being the lowest of the low. We think of Avodim as being, so to speak, the, the pe- people who have no rights and are treat, treated like dirt and trampled on by everyone in society. It doesn't have to be like that. The Gemara says, Evid Melech Melech. The servant of a king has a certain, you know, he's in the palace. He has a certain in- connection to royalty. He has, so he is in- exposed to it more than a person who's not an Evid Melech. And that's what we're going to see in the future. It says that when Mashiach comes, the goyim will run to be our avodim. The pasuk says they're going to run, and uh, the gemara gives numbers. Each Jew will have two hundred eighty avodim. Why? Because when Mashiach comes, it's too late to magay, so that option is no longer open to them. So if they want to somehow connect to Klal Yisrael or to connect to Torah, the only way to do it is by becoming an avid. At least that way, they're now bound to, so to speak, to 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 be working for Klal Yisrael. That's already better than being. In the category, we have no connection to Klai Yisrael. And that's why they... they go, uh, it's a step up. The guy at the end of it. And it's a step up from being a guy. And that's why, in that way, it was actually a privilege. Just like I'll give the example again. The Ever of the Melech. Eliezer Ever Avram. He is proud of himself. That's my pride. I'm the servant of Avram. If, uh, if the master acts the way he's meant to act, and if the Ever realizes the privilege of being a servant in such a house... So then, it's a step up from where he was before. And you know who realizes this? Pare. Pare. When after Pare met Abraham and Sarah, Pare takes his own daughter, the princess of Egypt, and he says, I'm giving her as a shifcha. Mutter that she should be a lot of chazal. Mutter she a shifcha zeh, and not a nasikha, not a princess in my palace. It's better for her to be a servant girl in the house of Avram and not a princess in the palace of Mitzrayim. That was Hagar. Hagar was the daughter of Pare. Hagar was a crown princess. And Paro, her father, the king, realized it's better for her to be a servant. I'll make her a servant girl of, of Sarah rather than be a princess at home. That's the right way to look at Avodim. Obviously, you need the master's going to treat his Evid right. But if that's the case, it's a step up. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity, and therefore the, the, those 
uh, when we find people in Tanakh, the greatest of all, those people in the, in the, the Tanaim, we know how to avoid him, it was a tremendous privilege. To be an avid melech is like a melech. To be a servant of a king gives you a certain connection to the king. And that's the correct approach, the correct way to look at the idea of slavery through the eyes of the Torah.